Well, hello there, folks. Welcome to Outside Perspective with me, Adam Meredith. I am your host. Some people actually have to uh, talk very, very professional and direct like that all the time. Never really relaxing. I can't do it. It would drive me insane. Anyway, welcome. I appreciate you guys being here. First rule or first order of business, a little housekeeping. Guys, help me out. Help out the podcast. Leave a rating. Leave a review. Subscribe if you haven't already. All these things help the podcast. I help. I blah. I appreciate them immensely. Thank you very much. Moving on. Guys, let me tell you about a little thing called CBD, cannabidol. This little compound is found in the cannabis plant, and it has a whole host of amazing benefits. Amazing benefits. There we go. Um, this particular compound is not psychoactive. No worries there. It will not show up in any sort of uh, drug test. That's not any, anything I want you to be concerned with. But what it can do for you is it acts like an adaptogen. It kind of helps you, what you, you know, with what you need. Um, it has anti-inflammatory properties. It can um, help with anxiety. It can actually help uh, with mood regulation. It can help protect the brain. It's shown to help with epilepsy. So many benefits. It's amazing. I like to get my CBD products from Jumbo Superfoods, and I will have their link in the notes. But Jumbo Superfoods is a California-based company, and their products are phenomenal. They were actually voted um, one of the healthiest uh, edible products in the country or the healthiest edible product in the country. And um, I love their CBD Muscle Balm. It is the shit. I use it after jujitsu all the time or just training in general. It, it is amazing. Um, did I say it's amazing? I think I did. It's amazing. Anyway, I also like to use their, uh, their CBD spray, and I put it in my coffee. Uh, yeah, guys, check them out. They have a lot of great products. They have a ghee that you can put in your coffee. Um, they also just have just like the drops that you can put underneath your tongue. So go over to jombosuperfoods.com. You can use code JOMBOLOVESYOU um, to receive, I believe, 15% off your first order. And if you use the link in the show notes, it helps out the podcast. So I really appreciate it. Um, yeah. So, and this is actually right in line with today's guest. Antonio D. Rose. Antonio is a sponsored athlete. He's a trail runner. He's a writer, a speaker, and he is the co-founder and COO of Greenhouse Healthy. And he actually happens to be my best friend and brother. So give it up for Antonio D. Rose. Antonio DeRose, here we are. I always ask myself, 
do I uh, do I start these by saying the person's first name? Because I'm just like, uh, I'm like, that's a good idea. I should do that. But then uh, I always do the intro. I always record the intro anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of redundant to say their name at the very beginning. Mm. You know? No, I don't know. I don't do enough podcasts. I don't know either, but I'm thinking about it. So it's good to have you in town, man. Yeah, it's good to be here. It feels awesome. It's a nice Missouri day. It is a nice Missouri day. It's fucking, it's rainy, a little rainy, a little overcast. But uh, let's let's hop right in to the business. Sure. Because that's like our favorite thing to talk about. Okay. Dude, I um, I always say like it's important to uh, to like surround yourself with like the right energy and people doing doing the same shit as you. They don't necessarily have to be having like the same endeavors, but the same drive. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like the universe has brought you and I together very early in life. Uh, you're my oldest friend, fucking going on two decades this year. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit, it's dude. It's been a long time. God, is it this two decades this year or is it 19 years this year? It might be 19. Mm-hmm. Either way. Oh, But we have very similar, like, energies as far as, like, we fucking, we've always been hustling. I've talked about it before, like, we were... uh we were mowing grass, we were shoveling snow. Mm-hmm. We just always had the very same drive, and probably even more so with you growing up. I feel like even in high school, like you, you're a worker. Like I took a lot of time like doing sports, and then you were working all the time. Yeah, but if you weren't doing sports, you were working. Yeah, yeah, always working. So, I say all that to say this: that we're gonna talk about business right now. okay because it's our favorite conversation to have because we're always talking about we're always we're like our biggest supporters we're always um talking about our successes and our failures and different things and um you're in town to speak at a conference yes so for the folks listening why don't you tell them a little bit about who you are and the conference that's happening this weekend sure so my name is Antonio DeRose. I'm a certified personal trainer and competitive trail runner living in Boulder, Colorado, but I am originally from Missouri. I didn't move to Colorado until 2015, and as things would have worked out, um, I ended up creating a business with my wife, which we just rebranded, so our name is Greenhouse Healthy. And we specialize in promoting the benefits of cannabis for health and fitness. And we promote how it can be part of a healthy and active lifestyle. And we are in town to specifically talk about that at the inaugural Missouri Medical Cannabis Conference that's going to be here in St. Charles. Right. Okay. So that conference. So what all, so what all explain that conference to folks who might not know what that is, what's going sure. on. So this particular conference here in St. Louis is very patient-focused. So it's for anyone that is interested in in the cannabis industry in Missouri and what's going on or what's going to happen because this November we have three initiatives on the ballot to pass medical marijuana program in Missouri. And... There are a lot of questions uh, from the community as uh, a patient side and also as business owners wanting to get into it. So there's going to be uh, doctors, nurses, and 
potential cultivars in the future who are interested in getting into the industry, as well as people on the patient side that just want to learn more about how it's going to help them, how they can benefit, and what they can do to improve the quality of their lives. And you're going to be speaking at this event, right? Yes. What are you going to be speaking about? Specifically on the benefits of cannabis for fitness. So we talk uh, a little bit about our stories and about what we've done over the past few years in the athletic space while promoting cannabis as part of our performance and recovery. And that'll cover the actual benefits of cannabis for fitness. And then we'll also talk about hemp as a food source and how it's a nutritional superfood and a protein powerhouse. Nice, nice, nice. So, so that recaps who you are, why you're here. Mm-hmm. That that's your business in town. Now let's let's go back. Um, because, like you said, like and it's it's really weird, right? Because I already know all this detail, mm-hmm. but I want to I want to I got to make sure that I get all the right I ask all the right questions for the people listening. So, you're from Missouri. And you've been in Colorado for how long now? Since 2015. 2015, so three years. So let's let's talk about your journey before, like where you're like where you're at today, right? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about everything leading up. So when you're in Missouri, what what were you doing prior prior to this life in this industry? What what, what were you doing? So directly prior to this, I was in banking, and I worked for one bank in particular uh, here in Missouri for almost a decade. I uh, worked my way up from starting part-time delivering office supplies uh, all the way to a branch manager position at which time um, in 2014 or early 2015 uh, when I decided to leave the bank they gave me an opportunity to take on more branches and be a regional manager and it was that time when I kind of decided uh, I knew I wanted to do something different with my life, but I didn't know what it was. Yeah. I just knew I wanted to do something that felt more meaningful other than just making money because that's all I was really focused on at the time. Yeah. What kind of things they have you doing at the bank? As a branch manager, I was strictly um, in charge of running the entire branch in the town that I was in, Mm -hmm. which was business development was the primary focus. We wanted all the business to bank with us. um, And we wanted to help you grow your business because obviously if your business is going to be more successful, you're going to need more products and services from the bank. So we're going to make more money off of that. And it's, it's a relationship business. So um, I learned a lot about how to run a business. Um, I had to manage the budget. I had to come up with a market plan, which involved, literally driving around the town, looking at the different houses. I mean, it was a very long process of what you put together to um, create a successful campaign for your business, no matter what the industry is for an entire year. And that kind of gave me the experience to do what we're doing now. But it was, you know, everything that you could think of that has to do with banking. If it was loans, if it was investments, I was the first person um, in a, I think it was an eight year program to sell over a million dollars in the first year oh, nice. of being inducted into that program. So I was in the million dollar club for that. And that was um, selling annuities, which I got a really good commission on, but they weren't really the best thing for people. Like the people buying them? Every time, and I knew that. So it kind of, it was a struggle ethically. Yeah. It's like, fuck, you want to hit your numbers. Get those, get those paychecks. Yeah, exceed those numbers. Yeah, yeah, that's true. 
That's true. Fucking under promise, over delivered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. God. So, and you started doing that. How old were you? I can't fucking remember. You were like when you first started at the bank, because you started at the ground level. Yes. Yeah, like delivering paper. You said right. I was delivering office supplies. Exactly. So I worked part time there um, while I was working full time at Scholastic um, on the assembly line. So I was working from like 10 to 2, and then I'd go straight to work at Scholastic from 4 to midnight, and then yeah. I'd come home. And I did that for a year after high school um, to save up some money so that I could go to college because I didn't have, I didn't apply for any scholarships. Um, I didn't know if I wanted to go to college, and I didn't have family money to contribute. Yeah. So I knew I was going to have to do it all on my own. I didn't want to take out a whole lot of loans. Yeah. So that, that first year, um, I just took off and worked. And then I decided to go to college and I changed my work schedule. I got a full-time job with the bank, which was actually dealing with paper checks. I ran like this huge check machine. It's crazy to think of now. Like, Do they even use that shit anymore, you think? No, they, uh, while I was at the, I had already moved, I think like, I don't know, three different departments. And when I was in that other department, they actually took those out of the building because they completely stopped using Shit, the dude. machines and the positions got axed, so it was a good thing I left that position. Yeah, because your position got eliminated anyway. Yeah. God damn, dude. You were there for a really long time. Mm-hmm. So during that time, so that, that year, what 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 made you want to go to college? And I asked that because I went to college because I felt like I just had to. Like, mm-hmm. you know, growing up around here, like um, – it was just like what you're supposed to do. Like, yeah. what do you mean? You're not going to college? You fucking loser. Exactly. Did that's, you feel like a loser? That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> was that I felt like I was like I was afraid that I was gonna be a loser because I didn't go to college. Because I feel as if the work ethic that gets kind of instilled in this area is, you know, it's very industrial as far as and I don't mean industrial like factory. Yeah. I mean it's industrial like the system that's in place of you need to go to high school, you need to go to college, mm-hmm. get a degree, yeah, and then get a job in the field of the degree you got. Right. And I was brainwashed into that pretty hardcore. Dude, weren't we all? Yeah. Weren't we all? Do you think that's why you 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 stuck with working at the bank for so long? Because you're like, well, I'm going to college to get a good job, and I already have a good job. Because mm-hmm. I know you like you studied psychology, right? Yes, so obviously, degrees in psychology. Exactly. So you weren't getting a finance degree while you're working at fucking at a bank, mm-hmm. right? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, do you think like you did that because it was? I know there. I know that we've, we've talked about like the benefit of you know psychology, and that's mm-hmm. always been a strong interest of yours, as I'm telling people about you. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, but like. If the goal is to get a good paying job that you can progress in, well, you already fucking solved that one, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That mm. was what it was. I, I had a good job. I knew that I could go places with it. And I worked in the back office side for the majority of it. So yeah. I actually was in a call center area. I was I worked in a call center for a period of time that was in that building. It was just uh, basically the office. Um, just a lot bigger yeah and then i'm and then i'm branched out into um as an assistant manager at a branch and then i went to another town and i became the branch manager there yeah yeah no the the show the office is fucking relevant mm-hmm. to every office yeah it's the best mm-hmm. it is the best i wish i had 
the ability to pull off some of those pranks <laughs> yeah. that Jim pulled off, right? Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, so, okay, you did that for how long? The whole bank? Eight years. Eight years, start to finish, yeah. and it just wasn't just wasn't what you wanted it to be. just felt real empty. Yeah, at one point, honestly, we were sitting on the beach in, I want to say Barbados. Yeah. We were on a vacation, and... I was fortunate enough at the bank to make good money. So we had a lot of things we had, we bought a house, we had, I mean, we had a ridiculous house. It was literally just me and my wife and it was three bedrooms, two and a half baths on an acre of land. And we just filled it full of stuff. We were always going shopping at antique malls because, you know, I kind of like old stuff. like old shit. And we... We were sitting there, and we just realized, is this what it is? Like, is this what we want to do? Do we yeah. just want to, like, collect shit and go to work all the time? And I was at the time, I was working, you know, close to 80 hours a week because I had to do everything. You know, I was doing the stuff at the branch during the day. I was the first person to show up. I was the last person to leave. And then afterwards, you would have networking events. I was also on the Chamber of Commerce there um, in that particular town. And so I would either have like a chamber of commerce meeting or we'd have to go to a fundraiser dinner or uh, 4-H would be hosting something. It was really big in the area. It's a farming community. And it was just constant. And then when I would come home, I wouldn't really get to relax because I'd have to plan something for um, like a, a sales meeting the next day. I'd have to get my team ready to go. And that was something that was really important to me at the time. So I devoted a ton of time to it. And then we kind of realized, I don't know if I want to devote all my time to this because it isn't as satisfying. Right, right. But I guess if there is like a silver lining to that entire experience, I mean, it sounds like, like you said, you you learn how to run a business because Mm -hmm. everything that you did there, you're just applying to your own business. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah. All right, so you reach this point to where, you know, you just have all this stuff. You're making good money, but it's not it's not there's no purpose, you know what I mean, behind that. It's not it's not furthering like any sort of like life mission. You know what I mean? You know there's no fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Right? So fucking what do you do then? What's next? We started out wanting to be travel bloggers and we we Dove right in. So we went out and we bought a camper and we bought uh, an SUV. We actually bought a camper before we had a vehicle to transport the camper. <laughs> That's how headfirst we dove in. And uh, then we ended up getting an SUV and we planned it out and we were like, all right, here's all the things we're going to do. We were researching all the blogs, listening to all the podcasts. And we traveled for six months after we quit. So we quit and we were trying to sell our house. So we, and we traveled. And at the time, like a bunch of my wife's family had moved down to Florida. So we traveled uh, all the way down there and we spent a lot of time in Florida with them. And we realized that we did not want to be travel bloggers. So you quit your job, you bought, uh, you have an SUV, you bought a camper Mm -hmm. and then you realize that's not what you want to do. After about six months, yeah. yeah, six months of just traveling around, and then we were like, mm, I'm not so good at this, yeah. because I didn't, we really liked traveling, but we didn't necessarily like logging it all and recording it all, but at the same time, we didn't know how, really. We didn't have the experience. Right, yeah. It's easier now. Now I know how to do it, and we kind of do travel blog. Yeah. 
for sure. We could, yeah, you kind of worked some things out kind of progressively, mm-hmm. kind of progressively for sure. Um, and we keep we keep referring to your wife, and that's that's Heather DeRose, yes. who, who will also be on the podcast, who is also the CEO of Greenhouse Healthy. Correct. All right. Just for the reference for all the people listening, you'll hear her later on another episode too. And oh fuck, I lost my train of thought. Oh, you know what I want to ask you, dude? When was the first time you left Missouri? Do you remember? The first time I left Missouri, like by myself, or with like without my parents. Yeah, that you remember. Just that you remember. Do you remember going like leaving Missouri w- with your parents as yes. a kid? Yes. How old were you? I don't know. I was pretty young. Pretty young? I was probably like five, six. We went to New Jersey. Oh, you remember that. Okay. Yeah, nice. I remember a little bit of it. Yeah. But I don't remember a lot of it, just bits and pieces. When was the next time you left? Though? We went to Florida, visited um, my father's mom. And you remember that? I remember a little bit of that, too. Yeah. When was the first time you left by yourself? Or when was the first time that you left like as like a somewhat of an adult? Did you travel? Was there a period where you guys didn't travel? I don't ever really remember you guys traveling when we were kids. No, not when we got, like, once I hit, um, like, after middle school, I think. So, like, real young you traveled, and there's a period you didn't. So mm-hmm. then you started traveling again, kind of more on your own. I, I took one trip entirely by myself uh, from, I think I was, I was either 21 or 22. And I drove for, uh, I took two weeks off, and I drove from Missouri to Florida and I spent a week in Florida. I spent a week traveling total there and back. I took some time on the way down there and on the way back. And I spent a week in Florida by myself. I remember that. Just trying to figure out life Yeah. at the time. That's so cool that you were able to do that. Yeah, I asked that because, like, so we grew up in a very, um, it's like a, I mean, it's just a fairly, it's a larger town, mm-hmm. right? Real, kind of rural areas. Mm-hmm. Um, farming community. Mm-hmm. So there's some some politicians. It's the the capital, and like so, we got a very like blue collar work ethic from that experience. I would say, me, dude. You know the first time I ever left Missouri mm-hmm. that I can remember. No. Fucking going into I think I was 16 years old. Going into uh, junior year, I was. Uh, it was for a wrestling camp when we went to Nebraska. First time I ever left. Really? First time I ever left Missouri, dude. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I think about that because I think about, I think about just the, uh, like the culture of the area, and it's not a very progressive, very, very conservative, which isn't a bad thing. And we're in the Bible mm-hmm. Belt, and uh, you know, when you're young and you're impressionable, and like, it's funny because you ever think about like the kids who are raised by fucking idiots and they don't know it. And, and mm-hmm. they think that idiot is really fucking smart. Yeah. It's like, no, man, you were just influenced by a complete moron. and you. But you don't know that shit, right? So you don't know what you don't know is basically the point I'm making. So, like, like growing up, like, real poor and shit, like, I didn't really travel. So I didn't know all the things that I wasn't exposed to yep. and, like, what that does for development later on in life. Now I do as, a, mm-hmm. as an adult. You see that. But, like, I didn't know that. So I, I think about that sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, just the influences that drive things. Mm-hmm. And then um, just kind of combine it all. So, like, you combine that with not knowing what's out there and then being told this is what you're supposed to do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, just, it, uh, it, just, it just makes for, like, a robot. I feel like a lot of people out out there in the world are in that same scenario. Like, how many people, like, don't leave their neighborhood? Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Especially it feels uncomfortable or they don't want to go to a place where they don't know where to go. Yeah. Just the the lost feeling, um, even directionally, can make you feel like you're kind of lost in life, I think, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think tribe is so important mm-hmm. and having that connection. And then anytime we feel like disconnected like alone like it can freak people the fuck out i don't think people know what to do with themselves when they're alone or like with their thoughts i've talked to people before like um i so i have you have you done float tank have you done a float tank before but you're familiar with it right the sensory the sensory deprivation Mm -hmm. so you're in there um it's body temperature and there's i don't know like a thousand pounds of epsom salt in there so you're floating, and um, one time I did it in a pod, and I didn't like that experience as much because I was still kind of like, because you are floating, so you kind of bump into the walls a little bit. And the next time I did it in a room, it was like the size of a king-size bed. That one, that experience was a lot better. So, like, you have all of these senses fucking kind of shut off, and you're just kind of left there with your thoughts. And I was talking to somebody, and, like, I was tell- telling them about that, and they're like, I don't know if I'd want that. Like the idea of just being there like with themselves, like mm-hmm. with their thoughts, like it made them uncomfortable. It's so strange to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I got there. I totally went on a, on a tangent. I know, I know like the path I took to get to that story, mm-hmm. but I don't know what fucking point I was making, bro. I don't know what point I was making. I think the point you were making is that people, some people find it difficult to be alone with themselves. Yeah, yeah. I took a yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll go with that. Anyway, back to your story. So you you took some time, kind of figured out what you like. You guys did the traveling for like six months. Found that you didn't like that. Before you did the traveling, though, you sold all your shit, right? All of it. So everything we sold um, our house, which we were selling while we were on the road. But before we hit the road, we sold everything that would not fit in our camper and our SUV at the time, which was everything that was in a three bedroom, two and a half bath house yeah. and a gigantic ass garage. How so did that feel? A ton of shit. It was one of the most incredible experiences of release I have ever felt to the fact to the point that now I'm almost addicted to getting rid of shit. So like when I collect because I go to a ton of conferences and you get tons of shit. You get I mean promo. You got koozies. You got shirts. You got pins. Pins. Like name it. You mm-hmm. got it. Right. People are giving it to you. Yes. So like I come home and I just have these bags full of stuff. And there was a point this year particularly where I just went on a throwing away spree because it feels so good to just so get good. rid of stuff. And you don't even realize it, but everything that you own is, like, in the back of your mind. Dude. Every little piece. And when you see it, like, you walk in your house and you see all this stuff. So, and I'm not a minimalist by definition, but I definitely have a goal to be more minimalistic in my life because it it feels better to me. It might not feel better to everyone, but it definitely works for me. And when I sold everything that wouldn't fit, and it was a small camper. It was only, like, 18 feet. And then an SUV. I couldn't I, believe it. It was insane. I'm like, dude, you're selling your fucking movies, bro. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I sold like every collection I had. We were movie junkies growing up. Oh, my gosh. I got rid of everything that that I felt like I didn't need Yeah. at the time. And which is funny because a lot of the stuff I kept, I didn't need. I just It just ended up sitting in a tub in our SUV until we settled roots in Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. 
Man, and when you got to Colorado, though, you were uh, you were out in the mountains. Yes, it was awesome. Yeah, where were you at in particular? Avon, Colorado, which is where Beaver Creek Resort is. Okay. What was that experience like out there? One of the best of my life. I wish I had moved to Colorado way sooner. Um, found out that I love the mountains. And at the time, we uh, the rent out there is really, really high. And we had already been traveling for six months without jobs. So we had some in savings, but we still needed to be able to pay all of our bills and try to figure out what we wanted to do with our lives, which, you know, obviously, what's it called? Uh, research and development. Like you said, you pay to learn mistakes. You also pay to figure things out. It's a, le- it's a lesson, man. It's so a lesson. That, you, that you need money stressful. to learn. Yeah, you really do. And uh, so we got jobs. We realized we didn't, what we were good at, that was, and my wife was also in finance as well. And what we realized we were good at is customer service. And we were like, well, how can we do customer service without having to be in retail and without having to sell? And this was actually before we went to Colorado. Because when we went to Colorado, we were applying for jobs already in Florida. And what we had decided we wanted to do was get into hospitality. Because all it is is being nice to people. And we also found out there were like really, really good perks with a lot of the resorts. Like you could get housing included. You could get meals included. You could get... Uh, free ski passes, like oh, all shit. this stuff. Yeah. Uh, and we ended up getting all the Vail Resorts, which is arguably the largest res- like ski resort company in the world. They're one of the largest, and their perks were awesome. And we had the opportunity to go skiing for the first time. And we were both concierge positions, which means we get to recommend to these guests where to go. So because of that, Every restaurant, every excursion. So we went snowmobiling for free. They, all the concierge, they'd have concierge days. So like oh. every single activity you can think of doing in the mountains, they'll have a concierge day where all the concierge from every resort and every hotel get to come for free so they can actually try it out, experience it, and then tell people to go back to that particular company or that particular place. Dude. So we got to... And mind you, the area that I was in, so Beaver Creek is one of the most expensive... Um, areas in the Vail Resorts family and we got comped a meal which one meal that we got comped was like $300. Holy shit. Yes. What was the meal? Oh, it was incredible. That was the um that was back when I was eating meat and that <laughs> was when I had the pork porterhouse that I told you about. Oh, that was dude. insane. How big was it? Oh my gosh. It was it was easily this big. It oh, was like damn. it would have fit in a frying pan and it was thick. It was incredible. Oh, some God. of the best. You don't miss that, huh? Some of the best meat that I've ever had is at Bino's Cabin. And that's in Vail. That's in Vail? That's in Beaver Creek, owned by Vail Resorts. Bino's? Bino's, yeah. It's really expensive, but I highly recommend it. You have to, like, it's on the mountain, so you can't get to it except in the winter except for snow ride. So you actually oh. take a sleigh ride with a snow cat that carries you up the mountain to it. It's pretty, pretty cool. cool. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. That adds a part, like, that's a big part, like, a part of the appeal, I'm sure. Yeah. And I was doing property management up there, and yeah, the um, the average price of the property that we were assisting and managing was in the multi-millions. So all of the people that we were interacting with, because uh, my wife worked at a ski club, which is just like a golf club except for skiing, and then I worked uh, at an actual lodge that... We rented out some of the rooms, but most of them were all owned by homeowners, and they were just multimillionaires and billionaires that would come in 
and ski and yeah and fly back out yeah that's awesome i think being in that environment is is so invaluable mm-hmm. because i mean we've talked about like i'm just a huge fucking believer in like energy and you know what you put out is like it's like what is returned to you but also being around particular energies can rub off on you and and influence you mm-hmm. and you know so i think you know you're you're fucking you're around millionaire did i hear did i hear the b word yeah the b word yeah our top, billions our top floor was the was a billionaire that was fuck yeah dude the owner of a company i'm not going to mention but he was uh he would bring his own staff in exactly and so you got to see that yeah. and be around that and experience like mm-hmm. those habits and traits what what stuck out to you dealing with those type of people it depends. I mean, you not have, in a negative way. Like, yeah. well, what kind of traits were there? Was there any commonalities among them that stuck out, or consistency? So, um, I mean, they would come in and they would be working and playing at the same time. So, like, sometimes they would—they don't just come there for a vacation. They've still got businesses to run. Yeah. So there's no separation. Exactly, and they would come in and they would do their business shit, but they would also go hit the mountain for three, four hours, mm-hmm. and they would schedule their day. It was all about scheduling. And it was, we're going to do this at this time, and that's what we're going to do. And they didn't seem to really fall off schedule. And when they did, it wasn't that big of a deal or it wasn't that, like, they just shifted it. Yeah, they just just rescheduled shit. Mm -hmm. But they continued all the things that they wanted to do. Yeah. Man, that's a hell of an example of, like, a way to live. Yeah, and honestly, um, because what we ended up doing before starting the business that we have now uh, we actually started another business up there. So while we were working, we got to know a lot of these wealthy individuals who needed personal assistance. So um, I mentioned that I was working as a concierge for Vail Resorts, and I found that I could work as a concierge privately for these particular individuals. Um, we had a couple different people that asked for us specifically if we would um, be their personal assistant and we realized we could help them. And we started our own business called Royal Solutions, which was a property management and um, private concierge business. And basically what we would do is we would get it ready for them, like their property, we would get it ready for them for them to arrive. So they would send us a grocery list and they would want us to turn on their humidifiers and everything because a lot of people come from like Florida and yeah. all different places. They aren't used to how dry it is. And you would just prepare for them. And then while they were in town, you know, um, I worked as a driver, so I would drive them around a lot. Um, I had one family in particular that I worked for predominantly, and I would pick them up in Denver and drive them out to Avon, which is uh, about a two-and-a-half-hour drive, three, depending on snow. So I had a lot of time with them personally, and they influenced me a lot, especially um, the father of the family. Yeah. Just because of kind of how he ran his family. And also him and his wife ran a business together. So it was cool to see their dynamic. They had a really cool dynamic. All their kids were cool. There were a couple of kids that were my age. And then there was uh, one that was like 16 or 17. Yeah. But um, like talking about those schedules and you're talking about getting exposed to that sort of thing. He was getting exposed to that real early because, you know, even though he would come out there for the summer, they spent every summer out there. Um, he had an internship that he would have to do every single summer and he would have volunteer work. And he was specifically doing that to build up 
what he could do um, skill wise. So like his internship was actually graphic design and e-commerce and he's 16 and he was helping a non-for-profit build their website and um, do social media. And he's, then he would also volunteer his time at like, I don't know. I don't know what he volunteered his time for. Maybe like animal shelter or some shit. Animals. Exactly. Always a good cause. Volunteer. He volunteered. But being exposed to that early and like keeping him on a schedule, that's something I didn't have as a kid. And when I look at it, I'm like, holy shit, if I had been made to do certain things, like, you know, I quit baseball. Yeah. And that's a big regret that I've had that I'll probably always have. Because, like, damn, man, I was so good at baseball. I could be really, really good at baseball now. Yeah. But my parents let me quit. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I think just being able to, uh, just, say you're going to do something and do it Mm -hmm. is that's like half the fucking battle like if you can do that you can make it pretty far in life you know what i mean so yeah i'm always trying to do that with aj and and addison like i'm always trying to uh make sure like hey man we're on a schedule and um he does really well with uh uh being busy which i fucking love Mm -hmm. so like right now dude he'll like so on monday he was doing uh, he was doing cross country and then I'd pick him up from cross country and then we'd go to tumbling class and then it's like then we gotta come home and like maybe do some homework depending on how late it is but we're eating dinner and like we're getting ready for bed and all that and then the next day was jujitsu and then on Wednesday he has like orchestra so he like he does violin so he's practicing violin and then like he had uh, cross country practice after that. And then if he's with me on the weekends, then he has Saturday. On Saturday, there's more jujitsu, mm. and then it's like so. There's just always like there's just always something. He's just he's always doing something, and he's in he's in character council, which is like student council. So like oh, that's he has to, cool. So he has to go to school before school on Wednesdays and like go meet for that. Mm. So like he's just always doing something. Mm-hmm. He's just on in all of these things. I think he's in reading club too. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, dude, just loading that fucking schedule up, man, and just if you if you can't handle being busy, not like being busy because people are busy for fucking busy sake, but if you can't handle a lot of tasks, like you know what I mean, like you just always need to be doing something productive. There's always something to do. You know what I mean, and maybe always is too strong of a word. You know what I mean, but you mm-hmm. need to be, you need to be able to handle a lot of things. You know what I mean, and and progress. And, and with what you're doing because mm-hmm. especially as you've seen i'm sure in, in business you know what i mean in the beginning for sure you're doing so many things by yourself you're wearing so many different hats you know what i mean i, I know you're you know you have your partner for your business so um there's some support there but either way it's just a two-man show mm-hmm. fucking doing the jobs of how many people you know what i mean basically what a whole corporation would need to run you know what i mean mm-hmm. so it's just that's just what it is you know what i mean like if you can't get used to uh, a schedule and and doing what you have to do then fuck mm-hmm. i don't know fucking preaching to the choir here i feel you yeah dude so what was that dude like he was very driven but he had um he started out from the bottom so that's because i got to talk to him a lot and he the, the cool thing about them is that out of all my clients they treated me like family yeah and what i mean by that is like when i was working and it was a holiday it was like july 4th like the mom would come down and bring me food that she cooked just for me oh so nice yeah and the kids were really cool i mean it was just anyways your question was what was he like well you're helping me. you're answering it yes so um he started out at the bottom and he was like, he literally was hustling 
DVDs in stores. So he would go to a grocery store, and this is when he's like like college age, right? Yeah. He would go into grocery stores and set up a table, like a little six by. Bro. <laughs> yeah, three table, and he would just have DVDs out, and he would just selling them, and he would get contracts with the grocery stores to do that, and then he ended up creating, um, he ended up getting into the licensing market, and he created a multimedia empire out of it, and that's how. I mean, that's the short story of it. Right. But he started at the bottom, and then he created that, and then he sold that business, and then he built another business, and he sold that business, and then the business that he was, I mean, his goal was to sell the business he was working on when I was working with him, and they were, at the time I was working with him, they were making, um, just off of the phone calls, they were making $50 million a day. Oh, shit, dude. A day. That's so motivating to me, just because there's so much money in the world, I'm going to go fucking grab it. He was set to sell. He said he was good to sell within like the next year or two. Really? So he's probably already sold. I would assume so, but he also said he didn't really want to give it up because he really liked it. Oh, yeah. And he knew that he would just end up doing something else after he sold it. Yeah, yeah. I hate the um, I hate the whole idea of uh, like retirement mm-hmm. and you're just not going to do anything. Yeah. No way. Mm-hmm. Who, who can do that? That's, not, that's when people die. So why didn't you stick with – I? Obviously, you have a different company. Why didn't you stick with the concierge? So it was the same thing as the banking. So um, I really liked aspects of what we were doing. Uh, We were making good money. We were actually making the best money that I've ever made. Um, When when I drove as a private driver, I was making over $50 an hour. And we ended up – we were managing – in just a short period of time, in about three months, we ended up landing a – multi-property contract to where we were assisting in the management of over 31 properties in the Vail Valley. And that's all the way from Eagle to Vail, which if you're in Colorado, you'll know like what that area is. Um, it just wasn't as fulfilling. It was, it, it became about money again. Yeah, because you're killing it, dude. Um, yeah, it was awesome. I was, like, living it up. I was, like, skiing all the time for free and shit. It was great. But at the same time, it was, like, I don't really, like, I still want to do something more. And we both did, me and my wife, Heather. And I can't remember. I think she, I think she got a job on a cannabis farm. And that was when it kind of started shifting more towards cannabis because we started talking to other people that worked at the farm that had personal testimony of how it positively impacted the quality of their life yeah and that really opened our minds to just the benefits of it and we came up with a few ideas and decided okay hey let's We've, we've stacked up a good nest egg off of the property management stuff. We can go ahead and um, try our shot at something else. And we started a business called Marijuana Fitness Nutrition. And that's what evolved into Greenhouse Healthy. Right. So, so Heather got the job on the, on the farm. Yes. And that was kind of the, the, the transitioning period to where it's like, you know what, man, like this is where like you want to be spending your energy. Right. Mm-hmm. So what was your next step then? What was the next step? So, cause, and, and maybe that's not the right question I want to ask because I want you to take people 
through your journey in this cannabis industry because I know like you've been at every level. I feel like you've worked on the farm. Yeah, so she got me my, which is hilarious because Heather is a convert. Heather's from Missouri as well. We have known each other just almost as long as I have known Adam. And cramping. I'm listening. <laughs> and I forgot what what was I talking about? Uh, Heather's a convert. You're both oh, from yeah, Missouri. So You've known her as long as me. She's a convert. I've known Heather almost as long as Adam and she hated smoking weed. She hated she hated it. She thought it was the devil. Um and she ended up getting my first legitimate job in the cannabis industry on that farm. Hey, real quick. So what do you mean by convert? I converted her. She's a con- she's a convert. She used to be against it and now she's for it. Okay. Um it's what we call it. Okay. In the industry. I just want to make sure. Converted. And so she got you the yeah, job. Yeah, so she got me my first job in the cannabis industry and then we started talking about it she ended up getting a job at a medical dispensary um at some point i can't remember exactly where in the timeline that's, this is that's fine. but it's after the farm and after we had already started marijuana fitness nutrition and i really just forgot where we're at like what are we talking about <laughs> no so i was just asking you um i was well basically i was just saying like maybe i was thinking more so between the two of you guys you guys have kind of worked from like from like from the farm from mm-hmm. the seed all the way to like the sale oh okay so, you know what i mean okay so I like kind of your journey through yeah. like so re-ask me that oh yeah i was just asking you to tell the folks about kind of your journey through uh with with cannabis and like just through the different uh, stages of like the industry. Okay, so because you know, you've been exposed in, in all different areas of the industry is basically where I'm getting at. Yes, and I want you to talk about that journey of yours. Got it. So we started out on the farm. Um, the farm was an. It's a very unique farm. It's a zero carbon footprint farm. So it's actually on a mountain. All the power is supplied um, by the water that powers a generator they own the water rights on the, the land um it's amazing it's called pot zero you can check them out online yeah and it was seed to sale so we actually got to see the whole process of what it takes to um create the plant from the seed to um basically maintain the plant throughout its life and then harvest it and then also trim it and then cure it and then we we helped bag it up, weigh it up, all that. Bag it up, bag it up. <laughs> bag it up, bag it up. Yeah. And so we got to see the whole process, and we actually ended up consuming the concentrated oil that was created from the plant material that we started from a seed. So it was really cool to see that process, but also made me realize I do not want to be a farmer. Yeah. Um, mad props to all the cultivars. What it was that? very tough work. Yeah, what was that farmer like? Was he... Let's not talk about that. Not talk about that guy? Let's skip that. Let's, <laughs> cut, let's cut that part out. All right. I got to be I gotta be on good terms with them, and it didn't go that well. Okay, so you got to see that entire process, and then Heather got a job like in, actually in a dispensary. Yeah, so she was actually working at the one of the top dispensaries in Colorado for Native Roots. She worked at the Dandelion, which is uh, their, I think their flagship store. I could be wrong. I'll I'll let her talk about yeah, that. Yeah, that's gets fine. On. You don't gotta get all the but details. The, it, 
my point being is that it's one of the the better medicinal um, shops, and there was no wreck. So she's strictly dealt with just patients. Right. So kind of both sides of that of that industry there, right? You know what I mean? Kind of the the back end, kind of all the way coming up to the shop, and then mm-hmm. now you're dealing with patients mm-hmm. and going that route. Mm-hmm. So throughout that process, I imagine. Like you said, it started on the farm. Mm-hmm. You started hearing more and more about how this plant is is helping people and affecting their lives in a positive way, right? Mm-hmm. Now, also at this time, was this the time where you started running? When did you start running? Was running also while – did you start running while you guys were still out in Avon? I started running in Missouri. Trail running competitively? Um, not competitively, but we started running in Missouri specifically because her mom got diagnosed with breast cancer and, um, beat it. And I mentioned they moved down to Florida and her sister moved down to Florida as well. And her sister organized a 5k that was a breast cancer awareness 5k in Tampa for us to go out and like show our support for her mom. And this was at the time when we were, we knew we were going to be leaving, but we were still living in Missouri. We hadn't sold our house. We were still working jobs. And we had started taking our nutrition more seriously um, a few years before that. And then that kind of led to taking our physical activity and fitness levels more seriously. And we decided that that was going to be our thing. Like we'd never, I'd never ran a 5k. Heather has more experience running than me. I was, I was that guy in high school. I didn't fucking run. You know how it was. Yeah. You were I was like, I'd rather be making money. What the fuck am I doing here? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You weren't an athlete growing up. No, I mean, no. I, I was as a, as a child. And then once I hit middle school, I was like, nah, I'm too cool for that shit. And I was like, yeah, it was no. stupid. Yeah. And there's just other influences, yeah. right? So like you wouldn't like the classification as, <laughs> as an athlete is fairly recent for you, right? Yes. Exactly. So cause I, I ran my first 5k in Tampa, which was probably in 2014 or 2015, one of those years. And we didn't run. I mean, I was running, but I wasn't like taking it serious. That was actually my first, first time I'd ever ran 5k I didn't even train like 5k like running a mile was I was like damn running a whole mile for a whole mile now I'm like damn I can run 10 miles so and that's just in a short period of time it's only in like a couple years yeah that's crazy you would have never thought that no I thought a 5k used to sound daunting to me and Mm -hmm. now a 5k is like warm up a fuck it yeah warm up I'm not warmed up until after I run 5k yeah yeah, that's fucking awesome. It's crazy. But yeah, we started that, so we didn't, we weren't really, I mean, we were running, but we really got into skiing and hiking while we were up there. And then we first talked about how we were going to get into the cannabis industry, what we wanted to do, and uh, big fan of Gary Vee. So I was all like, how can we do it ancillary-wise, media-wise? And we thought, hey, let's interview people. And then... We decided not to, and then we were like, well, what should we do? And we just kept flip-flopping back and forth between all these ideas. And Heather came across the 420 Games, which is the world's only traveling athletic event series that promotes uh, cannabis as part of an active lifestyle. And she was like, hey, let's run this when it's in Denver. And we were like, cool. And then we started talking about it, and we were like, well, what if we – has anyone done all of them yet? Because there's a national tour. He does it in multiple states. And we're like, we're on the ground floor. What if we became the first people or the first male and female yeah. to complete this entire national tour? And we'll also get to meet the people that are in the the fitness industry that are also interested in the cannabis industry. So that's what we did in 2017 is we launched 
um, MJ Fitnut at the very end, which stands for Marijuana Fitness Nutrition. We launched that at the end of 2016 uh, with our social platforms and our website in order to prepare for a race season so that we could get sponsors. And we spent most of that year just traveling to the different states and then doing a bunch of races in Colorado to promote it. Yeah, putting in the legwork. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. I think, so I said at the beginning, we're going to talk about business, right? Mm -hmm. And I think there's something important to, uh, to note there, right? Because there, I think there's like, there's several like key principles to success throughout that can be drawn from your journey so far. One is pivoting. Like you, you did something and you found out it didn't serve you and it wasn't where your passion was and you stopped it and you fucking changed directions. So many people are afraid to do that. And then also, you just went out and you fucking did the legwork. You know what I mean? Like, you got, you didn't ask for permission. You guys just, you jumped right into the industry and you're like, well, you know, this is what we're going to do. You traveled around the country. You started talking to who you could talk to, meeting who you can meet, making those connections, building that network, building that relationship. And then, yeah, it's, it's that simple. You, like, mm -hmm. you, just, you just acted. Mm -hmm. so, so what was that like? What was that tour like? It was really, really cool. Um, it, it was such an interesting experience to get to see the different legal markets because getting to compare, because every single one, at, at the time when we went to California, it wasn't legal um, recreationally at the time. It was only medicinal, but we still got some weed. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be in this industry if I didn't know how to get weed. And, But Washington and Oregon were rec legalized mm -hmm. so uh we got to go in the shops and see what their sales process was like we got yeah. to see um what the marketing was like how did they present themselves um how were they selling the product because that's a big issue right now um what is in the industry is like how bud tenders are selling the product because right now like they'll try to tell you like what effect are you looking for? Um, do you want indica or sativa? And it's a lot more complicated than that. But I understand that, like on the retail side, it needs to be more simplified. Simplified for the consumer. Yeah. So tangent for half a second. Did you read that article? Or, article, or did I send you the article that they were saying like those classifications like wouldn't like scientifically be correct? Like we kind of like gave them the wrong names based yes. off like where? Okay. Yes. Yeah. And the real mm -hmm. science is it's kind of all backwards. But yeah, the easiest way to just to like explain it is that indica and sativa will tell you something but what it's going to tell you is the how the plant is going to grow it's going to tell you how long it's going to grow what type of plant what it's going to look like yeah but the particular cannabinoid content in the plant and the terpene profile specifically is going to have a huge effect on the consumer as opposed to it just being an indica or sativa you might take an indica and it might get you really excited i might take an indica and it might give me what they call couch lock yeah um every person's different every person's endocannabinoid system is different and there's just so many variables that you can't just label it indica and sativa but that's what you're going to see when you go to colorado cannabis is almost like just like an adaptogen what you say no i've never heard that um i've never heard that argument that's a well because i've said that about cbd um, because so like whenever I do all my, my intros, I talk about, um, Jumbo superfoods mm -hmm. and, um, just a lot of the benefits of CBD. And I'm just like, you know, it's almost like an adaptogen because it does, it, it can help with all these different things where, you know, it has neuroprotective properties and obviously, um, 
there's uh like there's the calming effect to it you know inflammation different things so i'm just like i feel like it's almost like kind of like what do you need mm-hmm. and it's, it's it's going to probably not not to say like you can pick it for this or that but you know what i mean i feel like it affects what you need definitely the um i mean cbd is specifically known to create homeostasis exactly. in your endocannabinoid system so for example, if you take CBD and you're you're really really tired and you need rest, it's gonna put you to sleep. Yeah. Because it knows what your body needs. But if you're, I mean, if you're already alert and you're awake and you've had enough rest, I mean, it might light you up a little bit and you might get excited and it, it's like coffee almost. Hmm. But the terpenes are what is, I honestly think that's the new science. That's gonna so be what the are future. terpenes? Terpenes are what you smell. So every plant has terpenes. Um, when you smell cannabis, you smell, um, you know what a popular strain name is like sour diesel. It smells kind of diesel-y, smells kind of sour. Um, the darker purple indicas will smell fruity. Um, but you just relate that back to essential oils. You know, the same terpenes that are in lavender are in cannabis and vice versa and all these other plants. Hmm. And if you think about how fast essential oils affect your central nervous system, within three seconds of sniffing an essential oil, it's having an effect on your nervous system. Yes. So... Wouldn't it make sense that the terpene profiles in the plants that you're either smoking or even when you smell them are having an effect on your central nervous system? They have to be. Yeah, and they're, they don't really test for them. Like a lot of places don't test for the terpene profiles. And the phrase that I like to use is the nose knows. So like when we go shopping for cannabis, I'll sniff it. And that's another thing too that's um, individualized because we might, you and I might sniff the same bud but it might smell better to me than it smells to you, which could be an indicator that it's going to be better for me than it would be better for you. Yeah, I've heard that argument for um, for diet, meaning like if if you're craving like salt, it's like you probably need salt. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or if you're craving like this real high fatty food or something like that, it's like well you're probably like void in that, and that's why you're that's why you have that mm-hmm. craving. Um, obviously not, you know, 100% the case with diet, but, um, no, I think you're right because that, that falls back on like survival skills. If you're out in the ocean and for some reason, like you've never eaten fish eyes, but you killed a fish and your body's just telling you, I just want to eat these fish eyes for some reason. It's because yeah. they have minerals and your body knows. Yeah. The body definitely knows. I think that's why, especially you'll see it in, in the wild, um, you know, wolves, whenever they get a big kill, the alpha always eats the liver first. Because that's the most nutrient-dense part of the animal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I definitely think that's there. I guess what I was just – when I said that was because if uh, if your gut bacteria is all fucked up and you're craving shitty sugar and carbs, you don't need that shit. <laughs> you don't yeah. need it, but you're craving it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, the body is um, intuitively very smart, you know what I mean? And it's always searching for homeostasis, which can almost be to a detriment because you can be in a very shitty state and not know it because mm-hmm. you think you feel fine, yep. even though you don't. So, anyway, you're on the tour, mm-hmm. and uh, you met some cool ass people. Um, you completed the entire thing, right? You guys were the first two to ever complete the entire thing. We are. Yeah. Has anybody done it since? Do you know? Nope. <laughs> Nobody did it this year. So this year, still, uh, we are the first and only people to complete an entire 420 Games National Tour. Nice, nice. You know what? And um, I feel like you've been at this forever. <laughs> it feels like it. But it, uh, yeah, I guess you guys are you guys are coming up on on your two years, right? 
It'll be three, actually, because we started at the end of 2016, so it'd be 2017, 2018, and then we'll be starting year three. Yeah. Yeah. That's fucking... That's awesome. So, you're you're doing the competitive running. You, uh, you, you completed the circuit. You're... Uh, you thought you wanted to do interviews and you did do some interviews and made some connections there and, and did some exposure. But then you realize, Hey, I don't want to interview people. Um, where did, so what, where's the next evolution? Like take, take us through the story. I have where, to backtrack on what you said though. Cause okay. I didn't, I didn't do any interviews. Um, what we originally thought, what I was talking about earlier is we thought about doing like a podcast where we just interviewed cannabis business owners and patients and that was it. Like that would be our podcast. And then we decided not to, we decided to do the fitness thing and focus on being a promotional and a media company that promoted cannabis as part of a healthy and active lifestyle. Cause when I search for, um, at the time when I was searching for cannabis and fitness, there is no like go-to source there. I mean, there's tons of articles, there's tons of research and there's blog posts, but they're spread out. They're not in a central location. And we were like, well, what if we could be the central location that has, you know, all this information in one place instead of having to go to all these different websites. And that was kind of what sparked the idea of creating the website and then doing the tour to promote that and get sponsors. Okay. Okay. All right. So now once you did create that website, mm-hmm. what was, so what take, keep like keep taking me through through the journey here so we uh we created the website we created all of our social media accounts and we immediately started uh contacting cannabis companies in colorado and asking for sponsorship to help us throughout the rest of the year which was 2017 at the time and we created a long letter that was our story that we just explained to you now how we were in finance we kind of gave them our background because it felt like we had we hadn't been in the industry yet we needed to let them know that we were professional we weren't just um deciding to do this that we had professional backgrounds and in management and finance and that we knew how to run a business and that we were going to do it this way and the amount of support was incredible within three months and i had no followers on social media whatsoever yet um, I had a website that had just been created, and we got 12 sponsors in three months. Oh, nice. Nice, nice, nice. Now, once you started the website, because I'm just trying to get my head right, were you doing – you were doing feature articles on athletes? Occasionally, we would interview someone that um, – was promoting cannabis as part of a healthy and active lifestyle. Okay, I think Not that's Not necessarily what I was... athletes. Some of them were athletes. Okay, I think that's what I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. But we did that in a, a blog format, and our what I had referred to earlier was like, we were kind of thinking like this. Yeah. And we just decided not to do it. Not to do that. Mm. So then, okay, and you guys are living, you guys are in the Boulder area now, right? Yes. And how long have you been there? So were you in the Boulder area at this time when you were running the the circuit, or were you still no. out in the mountains? You were in the mountains, and yes. then you came to Boulder. And then we moved. So we um, we did the tour for that year, and things went really well, and we realized what we needed to do was move closer to Denver because that's where all the events are. Oh, okay. And we wanted to get closer to the people so that we could network more, meet more people, and be able to do more. Yeah, yeah. How is Boulder? You like, or how is that area? You like Denver, Boulder, I, all that? You like the mountains better? 
Dude, I love the mountains. I totally want to move back to the mountains. I'm specifically only on the front range for networking purposes, and that's it. Um, Boulder, I like better than Denver. Obviously, it's closer to the mountains. The Flatirons are right there. It's where I go hiking the most right now because it's so close. Yeah. Um, Denver's cool, but, I mean, it's just another city, and every city's pretty much the same. It's just yeah, buildings and dirt. Just people living, man. Yeah, people doing shit. People on top of people. Yeah, man. Although, although Denver's a little bit... There are I pay attention to architecture. Mm-hmm. Their, their architecture is a little different out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the mountains, man, yeah, dude, the mountains are just so much better. Mm-hmm. Fuck, dude, I just love being out in the woods, mm-hmm. just away from it all. It just feels so much better. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you can just like. Whew, relax. And you were talking about the energy earlier, dude. of like who you're around. The particular place we were at, I mean, it was mostly high wealth individuals. I liked it out there. That were there to have fun. Yeah. So the energy was like, let's just have fun all the time. It was like, hey, good morning. How you doing? You hitting the mountain today? And they Everybody's were like, in a good mood. they're like, yeah, I'm hitting the mountain today. It was awesome. I'm <laughs> out there all day. And another, like fitness wise, it was inspiring because that was the first place, you know, coming from Jefferson City, I don't see people, I don't see 90 year olds skiing. But I go there, I no. see 90-year-olds that are not just skiing, but they're skiing all day. Their first chair, and they're there till it leaves. And then they go do stuff for the rest of the day. Yeah. And it was like, holy crap, Like I haven't been exposed to any of this. Yeah. I, I thought when you were 90, you were basically dead. That's the fucking problem, right, dude? These motherfuckers, there's so many people who... They act like once you hit a certain fucking age, it's just all downhill. Mm-hmm. Oh man, you're you know after thirty, you don't you don't start recovering as quickly. Or after forty, or whatever the fuck age you want to mm-hmm. pick, after fifty, they just they just start settling in this like, all right, well I guess I'm just gonna start dying now. It's like get the yeah. fuck out of here with that shit. Listen, bro, I'm gonna be a centurion. Mm-hmm. It may sound crazy to fucking people who who don't do shit for their like for their body or whatnot, but. That's so fucking realistic these mm-hmm. days. That's not even like a question. Unless I'm going to get hit by a fucking bus or mm-hmm. my plane's going to crash or something, mm-hmm. I'm going to be a goddamn centurion. And then just the idea that your body's just going to start breaking down or things are like something is happening to you so you, you have no control over that. You know what I mean? It's like, well, I just got a bum knee. Well, maybe, dude, maybe you just have poor mobility in your fucking ankles and it's causing pressure on your knee or something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't happen overnight, Jimmy. Like, let's fucking put in the goddamn work, Susan. Well, when you say, I've got a bum knee, you just told your body, My knee is you bum. have a bum knee. So then you're going to think about, regardless of you realize you're thinking about, in the back of your mind, you're like, damn, I got a bum knee. Yeah, Damn, man. my knee's bummed. So then that pain is going to get harder. I mean, that pain's going to, it might be the same amount of pain, but now you think about it in a way that it's going to affect you more. Yeah. And if you like decide like everything's downhill after this certain age, then yeah, of course it's going to be because you're literally telling yourself that. Dude. Yeah. The the mind is so important. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that you have to account for the placebo effect in every scientific study. And the reason is because the mind can fucking heal the body. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that. of the time or in every case, but I mean, it's been accounted for and everything. So man, our thoughts are so powerful. And if you just give up and just accept 
whatever current state, you know, it just drives me crazy, especially with health, dude. I just don't know why mm. people do that shit. You know, they just give up on their on their health or they just feel like it can't be any better or, you know what I mean? Like, if it doesn't happen overnight or if it's not in the pill, then it's just not worth it. You mm. know, everything is just so instant gratification these days and it's just like, what in the fuck, dude? I remember, and I still, almost to a fault, like, do you remember when we were kids, you go to a movie and you have to wait probably... In my mind, it was like six months until the fucking thing came out on like VHS, oh right? Yeah, you had to wait forever. And then, in my and now they come out like two weeks after the fucking movie. Dude, forget two weeks after. I'll go on Voodoo right now and I'll get that shit before it's even in theaters. Exactly, bro. Exactly. So it's it's like, in my mind, when it's not in theaters anymore, like I still gotta wait like six months until it comes out. Yeah. But it's like, no, dude. Like really, like two, just you can get it right now. You know what I mean? It's like that should be on Netflix in a month and a half. Dude, shit fucks me up, dude. Fucks me up. Like, how fast everything happens. You know what I mean? And, and not that that's a terrible thing, but it, it's definitely jaded the expectations of so many people. You know what I mean? And I don't know what the, the overarching consequence of that is, but shit, dude. Things don't happen overnight, especially our health. You know what I mean? That's, that's what I'm getting at. You know yeah. what I mean? And uh, I'm sure you've seen that with your journey, right? Like... Mm-hmm. But on that same note, if you put in the work consistently, it can happen relatively quick. I love the quote that um, everybody overestimates, like, you know, how much they can do in a year, but they underestimate what they can get done in, like, five to ten years, right? Mm-hmm. So, you mean, if you take on this huge task, of course it's going to seem daunting if it's if you're trying to get it done in one year, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. a little bit at a time, like... Two years ago, you would never fucking thought that you're running 10 miles. Oh, my God, no. But in two years, you're running 10 miles. Now I'm, like, addicted to it. You know? Like, shit, dude. Mm-hmm. 10 miles is a lot. In two years, you did that. Mm-hmm. That's relatively quick. But two years ago, if you have been like, well, my goal is 10 miles, you'd be like, well, no, I'm never going to fucking get there. That's how I felt about the 5K. I was like, how the fuck am I going to run a 5K? Exactly. But and also, if you would have been like, you know what, in two years, I'll be able to run that. Mm-hmm. Depending on your frame of reference, two years can be like an eternity. So it's just like, mm-hmm. well, how the fuck am I going to do this? It's yeah. two years. You know? Like, mm-hmm. god damn, two years. But really, two years is like. Yeah, it's nothing. 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 <sighs> It's just crazy, bro. It's just crazy. So anyway, you guys are doing some really cool ass shit now, right? With Greenhouse Healthy. Let's talk about the the rebranding. So we rebranded specifically to Greenhouse Healthy from Marijuana Fitness Nutrition for a couple different reasons. One, um, we have marijuana in the name, which is controversial in our industry. And it also created a barrier for us to work with hemp companies. Um, Hemp companies still have, even though it's not marijuana it's still cannabis and the difference between hemp and cannabis is or hemp and marijuana is that hemp has 0.03 less or less of thc and is typically higher in cbd Uh, marijuana is what you're going to find recreationally that is going to be high in thc and they classify them different yeah and really we're just talking semantics here right at, at this point but like you can get hemp coffee, like you can get hemp CBD coffee, and that business could get shut down possibly if for some reason like I send them an invoice as a sponsor and my business is called Marijuana Fitness Nutrition and then it runs through their accounting and it says marijuana in it and the federal picks that up if they have a bank and then it can shut them down. So um, we were finding it difficult to get hemp companies on board and we support hemp. It's one of our biggest platforms. So we did take it out and then also we realized in doing it 
um, like you said, pivoting. So we realized that it wasn't cannabis and fitness wasn't our primary passions. They're still huge passions, but what we really found out we're passionate about is plants. And I've transitioned to a plant-based diet. Um, I talked about essential oils. I use essential oils all the time. Food is medicine. Plants are medicine. All of the pharmaceutical drugs are derivatives from plants. plants. And I've really gotten interested in conservation since I hike. Um, and I, I really like exploring the world. And what I found, like, I don't necessarily like what you would think of as typical travel. Like I'd rather go travel somewhere and then just get lost in the mountains. You know what I mean? Yeah. Out in the middle of nowhere. And I love the beauty of earth. And we came up with the idea of greenhouse healthy in a way to encourage people to leave a, live a greenhouse healthy lifestyle, which is. What is a greenhouse healthy lifestyle? We encourage people to live a greenhouse healthy lifestyle, which just means making conscious decisions that will affect the life of people, Mm -hmm. plants and animals, and our planet. It's also the reason why we have a circle around our house is because that's meant to be Earth. And cannabis can help save our planet in so many different ways not only just by improving the quality of life of people through consuming it but also um, industrial hemp the industrial hemp movement is just now starting and it's going to i mean it isn't just starting it's been around for a long time but it's really picking up steam right now and if we can get houses made of hemp if we can get textiles made from hemp and replace paper we have to we can stop all this deforestation you know we need the forest to create oxygen so that we can breathe yeah and just all these different things and it created greenhouse healthy and realizing let's just incorporate it all into one instead of just being cannabis and fitness let's really talk about what we're passionate about and that's the thing is like i don't want to keep doing something if it isn't everything i'm passionate about you know what i mean yeah if it, ha- if it only has pieces that's great it can go for a little while but if it isn't everything that i'm passionate about i'm always going to feel like i'm missing something it's not your complete mission so we changed it over to that we just launched that a couple months ago the rebranding and we have the new website under construction at greenhousehealthy.com but you can go sign up for our newsletter and we'll be launching that in november and that's going to have some recipes it's going to have um, our articles we actually write articles weekly for uh five different websites so we have a lot of information and content that we'll be sharing we're going to be doing reviews um, as athletes uh, on different cannabis products and then on different cannabis strains on how they affect us and just kind of introducing people to the fact that it can be part of a healthy and active lifestyle because a lot of people don't realize that with the current stigma of cannabis making you lazy or unproductive it's just not true. No, not at all. I was managing those banks successfully and to the point that they wanted to make me a regional manager and I was smoking weed before I went into work every day. I would smoke weed before I would go do board meetings and business meetings and even just sales calls like in person. Like I would smoke yeah. weed in my car Yeah. just because it helped calm my nervous system and it got me in the zone to really do sales. Right. Yeah, you know, it's been argued that uh, it can be a uh, performance enhancer, uh, depending on the person. You hear like in, in fights and fighting and whatnot. You know, it's big in jujitsu and mm-hmm. different things. And um, 
I would definitely say, I mean, anything that is going to put you in a more calm state and allow you to kind of perform effectively is definitely going to be like an enhancer and like it's going to help mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, dude. That's fucking awesome, man. You guys are, you guys have like a, an, an awesome mission right now. And especially with hemp, because like you said, there's so many benefits. Mm-hmm. I mean, from like just, you know, using the fiber for, for clothing, for paper, um, there are biodegradable plastics that, you know, it can be used in certain instances. Like it makes food and oils. Mm-hmm. It replenishes the fucking, the, the soil. Mm-hmm. And it takes a fraction of the water and a fraction of the space. And it grows in a fraction of the time. Yeah, dude. What other benefits? What did I miss? What other benefits are there of hemp that I don't know about? I doubt you know a lot about hempcrete, do you? But I don't want to assume that. Hempcrete? Yeah. Yeah, and it helps filter the air. Yeah. Yeah, So man. it's antibacterial and antimicrobial. Mm-hmm. Um, it yeah. also hardens with time. So structurally, if you build with it, it's literally just going to get stronger. stronger. And it's one of few materials that is fire resistant. Mm. And you can you can Google this. I didn't know that. Yes. So you can take a blowtorch to hempcrete and you can just blowtorch it for a long time and it will not light on fire for a long time. Which means that we're we're building our homes out of materials that could just like burn up and get weaker with time. Yeah. Also that are full of a bunch of different toxic chemicals. Holy shit. As opposed to a material that we could use that is healthy to live in because because it's antimicrobial and antibacterial that means there's no mold that means that the air that you breathe it's breathable so your the air that you're going to be breathing in your home is going to be much more healthier for you also the growing of it like you said it getting back to the soil not just that it's the the lack of pesticides you don't need pesticides to grow hemp you can just grow it Oh, they don't there's no so does it not really have any like natural like uh, predators as far as and uh, not like animals, but like as far as pests, it does. But you can um, you can mitigate it all with integrative pest management. You can just bring in like ladybugs and oh, praying mantis and other stuff. And, and those aren't harmful to the actual thing. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. And so basically, if we can get like you talked about clothing, yeah, the it, benefit it, for clothing, it's a stronger fiber, is we stop. It is a stronger fiber, and it gets softer over time as opposed to getting all braille and shit and that's a benefit to you as a consumer yeah the benefit to society as a whole is less cotton right now cotton is one of the biggest pesticide contributors to our water sources it's also takes i think it's three or four times as much water to grow than it does to grow hemp it's one of the most um it needs the most water out of a lot of different plants yeah water consuming is what i was going for so there are there are societal impacts that can be made um, for the greater good of our whole planet and everybody on it. For sure, dude. It fucking fascinates me how we never. Well, I don't say we never, but how 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 many times the greater good is put aside for like profit. You know what I mean, or mm-hmm. for the few. You know what I mean, and like, and we're just talking about hemp, right? Because it's essentially no THC in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, for that classification, there's no THC, so there's no psychoactive properties yet. It's still lumped in, you know, under this this class one, um, uh, uh, class one, I don't know, distinction, jurisdiction, classification. 
I don't know. I don't think hemp is classified as a Schedule One. Well, it's just it's cannabis plant. Marijuana is. I think it's THC. I'm pretty sure it's just cannabis. Cannabis as a whole, which is why hemp got lumped into that. So the point is, this whole issue happened because of William Randolph Hearst and Harry Anslinger, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just like, those guys are fucking assholes. They owned paper mills, and they found a product that could replace their company, and they had already invested all the money in the logging industry and mm-hmm. the paper mills themselves they were like let's shut this shit down yeah yeah and the the product we're referring to is the decorticator which helped um it helped making it or it, it made the process of harvesting hemp much more efficient mm-hmm. right so like you said he had he had lumber he had paper he had money mm-hmm. right and that influenced the fucking laws so it's like they just went from alcohol to cannabis and here we are mm-hmm. today because of that shit. Mm-hmm. And we do that over and over. Like as we're talking about just the earth and what's better for the earth, it's like we know that this is a, a better like form of uh, – it's just, it's just a better resource in general. And like mm-hmm. we do that with like energy and we do it in just so many different areas. Shit fucking blows me mm-hmm. away. Shit blows me away. So, as an athlete, what are the benefits with with having like hemp as a big part of the diet? Because like I use hemp protein, and um, I eat hemp seeds, and uh, like what are the benefits? So the nutritional benefits of hemp seeds and hemp protein can be a little bit different, even though they're derived from the same plant. So like if you eat the hemp seeds by themselves, they are they have an ideal omega three and omega six profile which is obviously good for your brain health and cardiovascular and joints and boom all that shit basically everything and on the protein side protein specifically has a um, omega-3 fatty acid called linolenic acid which studies have shown help prevent coronary heart disease so obviously the healthier your heart is the more efficiently it's going to pump nutrients and oxygen to where your body needs it the most as a protein source it's arguably the best plant-based protein it has a full amino acid profile so it has all the amino acids including all the nine essential amino acids making it a complete protein and because of that if you were to consume it before working out and after working out uh, bcaa supplementation pre and post working out has been shown to lead to better results in recovery and also lean muscle mass say that one more time so you're saying taking protein pre and post mm-hmm. okay well the studies specifically are on bcaa's and hemp protein is one of few plant proteins that contains all 20 amino acids okay so bca is being branched chain amino acids just for the listeners yes so because it has all of them if you're going to consume that um before and after you work out versus another protein source that doesn't have a full amino acid profile you're going to get more amino acids so suggestibly it's going to be more beneficial for you i got you i got you and then so and so this would probably be like a good um, option for anybody who is just like not looking for like an animal protein what are some mm-hmm. of the benefits like because a lot of people are looking for like a non-dairy option mm-hmm. so is that what you probably would recommend like a hemp or i would because it's the most easily digestible hemp protein is even more made so up like of a pea protein even more than it's even more than any other protein period it actually is made up of 65 percent 
Adestin. Adestin is the easiest protein for the human body to digest. And no other plant on earth has a higher level of adestin than hemp. The other 35% of hemp protein is made up of albumin, which helps contribute to... Um, damn, I can't remember what it is. It's the functioning of enzymes in the blood plasma. Okay. Dude, and, the formation, so and the formation of antibodies. So it helps boost your immune system um, in the protein itself. So it's 65% adestin. Super easily digestible. No other plant on earth has that amount. 35% albumin, which is for your immune system and the function of enzymes in the blood plasma. Nice, nice. Yeah, and, and for the folks listening, he has no notes. No notes. That's what I'm saying. You're just so good with no fucking notes. Um, yeah, I mean, and um, bioavailability is, is super important. And um, I know hemp um, is bioavailability. Um, by weight is some of the highest definitely for all plants um that's good shit dude uh how long we been going Mm. hour 20 flew by told you told you it would told you it would well man let's uh let's wrap this up a little bit uh here in a little bit uh all right let's pause i'm gonna go to the bathroom that was perfect Now I gotta edit, motherfucker. Uh, I'm not gonna edit, actually. I'm just gonna keep fucking recording. He got up. He went to the restroom. I'm just gonna sit here and keep on rambling. So, folks, this guy right here, this is my oldest fucking friend. I've known this guy. I met him whenever I was just a fat little kid. Moved from Potosi, Missouri to Jefferson City, Missouri. I think I was 11 years old. I think it was 99. 1999, October. To the fucking month. So what were it? 19 years. 19 goddamn years. That's so crazy, knowing somebody for that long. But, uh, yeah, we uh, we met in sixth grade. I uh, I walked into the classroom, and the, uh, the counselor brought me in, and they were like... Uh, they're reading off my schedule. They're like, uh, who has who has this class this hour? And they're like, uh, and Tony raised his hand. And then they're like, who has this class? And Tony raised his hand again. And they're like, who has this class? And Tony just kept his fucking hand up. We had the exact same goddamn schedule. So I just followed his ass everywhere. All over. I was like, oh, I don't know where the fuck I'm going. I'm just going to follow this guy. Probably the most annoying goddamn thing ever. I was just like a, a fat little kid back in back in those days. You remember those days, Tony? Oh, yeah, I remember those days very clearly. Do you remember what you called me? The Ox. <laughs> I love it. I fucking love that shit. Kids are shitheads, dude. Yeah. I, got, I look back on that time. I'm glad I'm not a weak individual because, dude, I got picked on all the time. Mm-hmm. You realize that? I didn't realize like how often I got picked on. We all did. I got picked on every fucking day. Mm-hmm. Oh, holy shit, dude. Everybody, <laughs> I was like, God damn, people are so weak these days, man. Do you remember Kyle Dahl? <laughs> yeah, that's who I was thinking of. It's exactly. Yeah. Dude, he picked on me all the time, dude. I never fought him, though. I, at the time, I thought he was gonna, he, he would have beat me up back then. Yeah. He would have beat at me up. At that time, because he was fighting people all the time. <laughs> dude, dude. You know, I've actually kind of crossed paths with, well, not really crossed paths with him. But, uh, like, we're friends on social, and um, it's just interesting to see how people develop. You know what I mean? Yeah, you told me about that. Yeah, well, just because, like, I feel like kids are shitheads, and, like, you know, our frontal lobe isn't fully developed until, uh, 
until roughly 25. You know what I mean? So it's like you see kids and like, you know, maybe they're not on the best path growing up, right? And then like as an adult, like, you know, they're on the straight and narrow. You know what I mean? Like you just need that time to kind of straighten the fuck out and like that mind fully developed. I know that very well. Yeah, right? So it was just it's just very interesting to see him today. You know, he's I mean, he, he seems to be doing, you know, great for himself, you know what I mean? So it's just you know, when you I know, when I think about, you know, my my childhood bully. <laughs> yeah. At the lunch table. <laughs> dude, picked on me all the goddamn time. In the morning and at lunch. It was like, damn. Fuck, dude. Oh, god, I got picked on a lot. That's all right though. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. You want to talk about that? What exactly? Changing from a, from a child to an adult. You can, yeah. You can. Because I think about your transformation, and we kind of alluded to it a little bit um, before, you know, you were you're very focused on, like, just, like, making money. Mm-hmm. And uh, there wasn't, like, a lot of, like, structure kind of uh, once you hit, like, a certain point. You had to do a lot on your own, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, what were those days like? Like, what – let's – Maybe I don't know how to I don't know how to dive into that. Maybe we should say that for another time. Do we? I just feel like it's so important to your like your story. You know what I mean? Because like so many people go, we all go through low times, mm-hmm. and entrepreneurship has its ups and its downs all the time. Like you know, like fuck, dude. Like one day you're so far. We were talking when I when I picked you up. Like you know, like one day you might be on the highest of highs, and the next day like you're just so fucking stressed. It's like you're like I just want to go take a nap and just like not even fucking deal with this mm-hmm. right now, right? But you know, we all reach those points in life to where it's just like fuck, man. It's hard to see past the struggle at the moment. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And um, I think it's important for people to know, like, you can always turn it around. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, there was there was a point to where, like, 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 you weren't on the best path. Definitely. You know what I mean? Let's talk about that. Like, tell, like, f- let's fill some folks in on, like, kind of like what you're doing. Yeah. And you can start kind of wherever you want. You know what I mean? But and like, kind of what. Where did you land up and, like, what made you want to turn it around and go on a more positive path? Those were two questions. So I'm going to remember that last one at the end, but I know where to start. Yeah, sorry, man. I took too much at you. No, you're good. So um, the best way to sum it up for listeners is that I had a troubled childhood. Both of my parents were alcoholics, and it was bad enough that my mother was in inpatient rehab uh, at least twice that I remember at a very young age, and I had a lot of stressors. And this is something that I've realized now, looking back, but at the time I didn't know, and this led to destructive behavior in... um, pretty much my, my whole childhood growing up as a young child, even into becoming an adolescent and one or becoming an adolescent. And once I lost the structure, I mentioned I quit baseball. And once I lost the structure and I was kind of on my own, uh, I was the only child until I was 12 years old when my sister was born. And they kind of focused all their attention on her at that time. And it allowed me a ton of freedom to myself. Yeah. And that kind of got me in trouble because my my biggest influences were was really like movies 
I was that kid that got raised by the TV. Yeah. Um, when my parents were partying, it was go outside or go watch TV. And, you know, I was always by myself. And I read a lot. And I, I was a advanced reader for my age. So I was reading stuff that, you know, I read Stephen King's It. When yeah, I was going to say, like, you were reading real advanced horror. When I was like seven years old. Yeah. And I was like, this is awesome. Um, but my biggest influence, honestly, was like gangster movies. And... What I liked about him was the the idea of just being able to kind of do whatever you want and also having respect, which now I realize is also like why I like westerns now because it's the cowboy. It's not necessarily the gangster like illegal stuff. It's just living by your own code. Yeah, and I those stressors as a young child led to um, my troubled youth years in adolescence when I kind of got into small crime. Um, I was selling, I did get arrested for selling marijuana here in Missouri and I got locked up for a while. I was 17. They could have tried me as an adult. I got super lucky. Uh, I went to out, I went to inpatient rehab, which I got kicked out of. And then I got in outpatient rehab and they put me on probation. And I got really, really lucky. How long were you detained for before they actually sent you to rehab though? Um, I was detained for three to four weeks before they had my arraignment, and then they sent me off to Clinton, Missouri, and I was up there for a little over a month or so, I think like maybe two months maybe, and then I got kicked out, and then I came back, and I was in lockup again in Jefferson City for like another three weeks before I got out. It was roughly like four or five months total during a school year. Yeah, during, like, the middle of the school year. Yeah, and that was actually how I got out of it is because when I was in the detention center, um, I got along really well with the director, and who was a former Navy SEAL, really cool guy. Um, looking back, he really influenced my life. I didn't know it at the time. And the teacher that they would bring in to, like, get your schoolwork done, he actually, um, both of them went and spoke to the judge and told them I was a good kid. I just didn't have the right direction mm -hmm. and um at the time i was i was consuming cannabis but i was also addicted to opioids and my drug of choice at the time was cocaine so at 17 years old i was addicted to cocaine pretty bad and i was addicted to opioids really bad and barbiturates because my mom has fibromyalgia and my dad is a disabled u.s air force veteran both of them had pills in the house all the time. And it was much easier for me to just go in there and get some pills than it was for me to, like, go out on the street and try and buy some weed. Yeah. So I would just pop pills all the time. And, I mean, you know what it was like sometimes. Like, I wouldn't remember three, four days in a row. And I'd yeah. be like, Adam, what the f – I'd wake up and be like, what the hell just happened? So, I mean, I was in a really bad place in, in my life at the time. And, honestly, what made me stop was Heather which is my wife now. So we were dating at the time at the height of my addiction and um, terrible behavior. And she decided that she had had enough. And um, she was in, she had just left for college. She's a year older than me. And I was still in high school. And no matter what I did, she didn't want to have me back. And she said it was because of my behavior and how I was acting. And I really wanted to change to be a different person because I really loved her. And I, I didn't love myself enough at the time. Like, doing it for me wasn't enough. Like, it wasn't enough to really keep me going. And 
I decided, okay, I'm going to change. And it was, it was the, the end of junior year of high school. And if you remember, I completely changed. So I went from, and my influence was gangster movies that eventually went to gangster rap. So I was in the baggiest ass clothes you'd ever see. I was in like Snoop Dogg hoodies. I had the yeah. big ass Johnny Blaze hoodie on all the time. Like I was selling weed. I thought I was cool. Like I was living that and I was like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I, I need to get away from these crowds that I'm in because when I'm with them, they're going to have drugs and I'm going to do drugs. Your circle is so important. So I cut everybody out. And I started reading, and I even changed all my clothes. Like, I went, I fucking went to JCPenney on my own dime and bought, like, $200 worth of new shit. Like, at the, what you would call preppy clothes. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I got, like, button-ups and mm -hmm. all types of stuff. And I just cut myself out and started reading and educating myself and reading more about philosophy. And that's when I really dove into psychology because I was like, How, what the fuck is wrong with me? Why can't I be happy? And... Mm. um. It's like a journey to fix yourself. Yes. That's definitely why I started into it. And I didn't um, ever get back to, I didn't get back with Heather at the time. So we actually didn't reconnect until like three years after that. But yeah. it, it's what started me. That's actually why I got a job at the bank too. Because oh, really? Yes. So she actually mentioned to me one time that she was thinking about getting a job as a teller at the particular bank that they had in Columbia. They also had in Jefferson City. So I was like, man, maybe if I get a job <laughs> at the bank, I'll run into her, especially if I'm delivering office supplies. That's why I got the job delivering office supplies, because I went to every branch in town. Oh, shit. And I was like, maybe I'll run into her. And I never did. And then just randomly, we reconnected like three years later, and we went to dinner, and we started dating. And then... Here you are. Yeah, here we are now. But that was the... Um, the initial thing that like kicked started me to try and yeah. be a better person. Mm -hmm. Man, yeah, growing up, dude, I didn't, um, I didn't know like what your situation was like. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. I think about it now, like, did we used to get on top of your roof? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, <laughs> I just remember that um, we always had to be quiet. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't I like because like your parents were sleeping. Like, I didn't, I never, like, knew. And they were just hung over, and they'd be sleeping all day, and then it's like, well, we can do whatever the fuck we want. Yeah. Like, I run this shit. Like, this is my house. I remember, dude, you used to, like, cook breakfast for us. Yeah. And, like, you'd always want to go out and do bad shit, though. Mm -hmm. Always wanted to burn some shit. It's because I was wanting attention. <laughs> I never got attention. I'm like, bro, I can't do that. The only time I got attention <laughs> is when I did something bad. Yeah. And that's when people would actually be like, hey and talk to me and I didn't know it at the time that I was like it was a call for help but looking yeah. back I'm like damn I was just acting out and I did I mean he's talking about me wanting to burn shit I was a total pyromaniac I would just light shit on fire um it was crazy yeah yeah but <clears throat> I don't know I mean I guess maybe I don't know if it's good that you got like caught or anything like that but it it, it is it de yeah definitely like yeah I think it's definitely Maybe I just say that because I just think about all the possibilities. Mm -hmm. Like, you're very fortunate, right? You know, very. But it could have went another way. You ever mm -hmm. think about if your skin was darker, if it would have went a different way? Dude, there's no way they would have just, just batted me on the wrist. I had two felonies on me at the time. It was um, the amount that I had was a felony, and I had intent to distribute because I did have 
I mean, I was selling that. Yeah, like night. a scale and stuff. Or that, was it bagged no, up? No, that was when they went. I had it bagged up in my car when they found it, but my parents let them search the house and they found my scale and they found oh, like, shit. A, a couple, like a pound and a half, like ready to get broken up and stuff. So, I mean, they had enough to put me away and they had enough to try me in as an adult. I was going to turn 18 in less than six months. Right. Shit, dude. But yeah, definitely white privilege on that one. And that was just a roll of the dice for me. Yeah, well, you you know, you just look at those moments, and it's like, you know, like your whole life is just in the fucking hands mm-hmm. of another person. Yeah, because I wouldn't have been able to get the job at the bank, and that's what really um, changed my life was having that opportunity to learn what I learned through that system. Yeah, and that's why I think sometimes it's so fucking crazy, like the standard that we hold these kids to. Like, not to say that you shouldn't know right from wrong, you shouldn't be doing some crazy shit, but, you know, it's like you make a mistake – while you're still developing, like, I've said this before, like, your brain's not even fully, mm-hmm. like, fucking developed. You know what I mean? And, like, how many times you look back, you're like, what was I thinking? But in the time when you're doing it, like, it's like, ah, this is totally fine. This will be fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. You're like, I know everything. Nothing. What could possibly go wrong here? Nothing can go wrong here. Like, they have to catch me first. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But it's just, like, not to say, like, you should excuse some horrific shit. You know what I mean? But... You were able to turn it around. You know what I mean? It was a nonviolent offense. And that's the same issue that, you know. A lot of people face. A lot of people are still in jail just for selling cannabis. And that's all that they had me for. And I just happened to get lucky. Or fortunate. It wasn't necessarily luck. It really was fortunate. It was probably, I mean. Yeah. It is Missouri. Racism exists. And I'm not black. <laughs> so. I definitely got lucky because I feel like if it was a 17-year-old black kid, they would have been like, no, you're going to jail. Yeah, and, and and the fucked up part is it's like you never really like – a conviction is really a life sentence. If it's a felony. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you never really get away from that. Even after you serve your time, you mm-hmm. never really serve your time Mm-mm. because it's just it just follows you. you it's like a tarnish. You can't vote. You know what I mean? You can't fucking – there's a lot of jobs you can't get. You know what I mean? So it's just like, whoa, like when uh, it's just a life sentence. It creates a lot of limitations for you that you then it just makes everything that much more harder. It's not impossible to overcome it, but it is so much more difficult. I think that's the point to make, though, right? Because I don't really give a fuck what your situation is, even if it's like you have the hardest situation, because there are so many people with who are far worse off than like you and I have ever been. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You can always fucking turn it around. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you can always put in the work, and you can always get it done. It may not be easy, you know what I mean? Like, you may not have the same starting point as somebody else, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean you can't get it done. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that's important to know. Because mm-hmm. so many people use their their current situation as a fucking crutch. Mm-hmm. As an excuse. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's important that you didn't do that. Yeah, man. That's a hell of a ride, dude. It's been nuts. It's been kind of crazy. Yeah. But it's been good. I mean, looking back, it was really rough for a period of time but like I never really only as a teenager when I was really going through like the height of my addictions did it feel like just nothing but despair because I I mean I was very suicidal for a period of time um as an adolescent you kind of know about that I shared about that with you at the time um and I got through that and that's just a it was a sad mindset because of what I was doing to myself you know I wasn't happy with me I didn't love me Mm-hmm. And if you don't love yourself, you can't love anybody else. Yeah, you really have to take care of you first. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole idea that uh, 
that you can like give whenever you don't when you don't have mm-hmm. like it doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. you know what i mean you're just overextending mm-hmm. yourself like it's so important to find that self-worth you know what i mean yeah, yeah. And it, but it's hard to it's hard to find self-worth it's hard to determine how much yourself is worth to you yeah i'm the most motherfucking important person in the world to me <laughs> <laughs> I love we my I love my kids to fucking death. I probably love them more than I love myself, but goddamn. On the same note, I'm not putting too many people in front of me because at the same note, I can't fucking do shit for you if I'm drained. Mm-hmm. What the fuck can I do for you? Yeah. Now now we're both going to drown. That's why I tell you on the plane, put the fucking mask on you first. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I say that all the time. <laughs> like, Put your mask on first. Put your mask on first, man. Because if you pass out, who the fuck you helping? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's what that's what gets me, man. Like I want to do so much good. Mm-hmm. Like I really fucking want to. Like I want to help people. And, like I want to like give and give and give. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I would love to fucking be able to like buy. Like I like I bought those Andy Frazella books mm-hmm. for uh, for Addison. Like I would love to buy. Like a whole fucking set of books like that for like the whole third grade. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I want to be able to do shit like that, but you can't do that until you fucking make the money. Yeah. So you just gotta fucking go without until you get there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh man. Well, bro, this has been a great conversation. For sure. I'm glad we shared that last part because I wanted people to fucking to know that you know, like you went through this whole journey to to get to where you are now. You know what I mean? And, uh, like, we went through, like, the surface level shit. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But, like, behind all that, like, there's still, like, that personal growth and journey. You know what I mean? And I think it's important to know, like, hey, you didn't start out all fucking cakes and roses. You know what I mean? Like, you had to overcome some shit. Mm-hmm. And there was a very, like, low moment, which a lot of people could have just fucking given up right there or said, you know what? This is me. And just and just fucking just kept on that path. Honestly, that's the way. Um, like you saying, this is me. Like that's the mindset I had. Is growing up, I was always told that I was a bad kid because I acted out, and I was always told, um, I was always told that I was exactly like my father. And I have a father. His name's John. He's not my biological father, but he's been in the role since I was like two, and I was fortunate enough to have that. But I didn't get along with him until actually I got locked up. When I got locked up, like me and him got close. Um, but damn, I forgot what I was saying. Um, you're saying like this is me. You had that oh, mentality. Yeah. So I had this mentality that this is me. Like I'm a bad kid, and my I always got told that I was like my dad. And all I knew about my real dad is that, like, my mom would just complain about him. My mom said he was a bad person. My mom said he lied all the time. He did drugs. So I got this identity. associations. Yeah, I just thought, okay, well, I'm just bad, so I'm going to do bad shit. Like you said, I always wanted to go outside and do bad stuff. It was because I thought I was bad. I was like, man, this is what bad people do. This is what I'm going to go do. Like, I'm born this way. And I honestly look at it as I did commit suicide. You know, I killed who I was, and that was when I stopped going. I literally did it in a way that it was so powerful. I told people to stop calling me Tony. Yeah, Antonio. And I only went by Tony, and I've gone by Antonio ever since I was seven. Ever since I was seventeen, at the end of my junior year, I quit telling people to call me Tony. And the way I looked at it is, Tony died. You know, Tony was this child that was told that he was bad all the time, that and went and acted out what he was told he was. Mm-hmm. And I was like, the only way I can get rid of it is to become a new person. Yeah. And it wasn't easy. And it didn't happen right away. 
and I was still an alcoholic for several years. Um, but you can overcome anything. And that's one of the reasons why I want to get out there and speak, because I think there's a lot of kids out there that are in similar situations as mine that need to realize, and not even kids, just people. Um, cause I went through a lot early, I feel like, but anyone in their life, wherever you're at, you can change anything about your life. If you don't like something, just fucking change it. Just do something different. It, yeah. It's, it might not be comfortable. You might have no idea what you're going to do, but shit. I left my house not knowing what the hell I was going to do. And we traveled for six months, still not knowing what we were going to do. And here we are now. And I feel passionate about what we're doing. It allows me to be creative and give back to people. Like you said, help. Like I can yeah. actually spread awareness and help people. So there's so much meaning in that. And I wouldn't be here if I hadn't had been like, all right, I'm actually going to try to be different and try to actually get what I want out of life instead of complaining about what I don't have or what i have that i'm not happy with yeah because if you're if you're focusing all your energy on that on those things that you don't want on that negativity you're just attracting more of that into your life oh, right yeah. and um i think it's so important to like for people to realize that like yeah you can like you said you can you you can really be who the fuck that you want to be you know what i mean mm -hmm. like you just have to decide and act accordingly you know what i mean mm -hmm. like like you can do that and um, I always suffer from like I feel like every, I don't know if everybody does, but I always feel like like an, like the imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like are you guys like really listening to me? Like, holy shit! Like, you know what I mean? Like, or when like when when people will just say certain things like like we talk about like a congratulations or something. Mm -hmm. It's just like like these people don't don't see me the way I see myself mm -hmm. sometimes, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, I think it's important to also sometimes just get out of your own way. You know what I mean? Just kind of keep down that path. Um, that's fucking cool, dude. So yeah, speaking, you mentioned the speaking. So that's, that's mm -hmm. kind of like a primary driver. So like right now you're doing like a lot of it, like educational yes. speaking. We are an educational platform. That's do, specifically what we do. Do you foresee yourself continuing down the speaking path of education or do you ever see yourself um doing like the encouragement and and i don't want to say like motivational but like maybe more so just like even if it's just like sharing your story and just like letting people know like it, it i guess ultimately would become motivational but like not because you're trying to up there you're not trying to like be motivating while you're up there, but you're just sharing your story. Mm -hmm. And like, it is a story of, of triumph, if you will. Like, you know, it's a 180 and it's just like mm -hmm. positivity. You know what I mean? Like if you share that, you know what I mean? Like you ever see yourself like going down that path? Definitely. It's something I um, want to do in the future. Right now we do, we obviously do a lot of cannabis education because that's what our business is focused on. But me as an individual, I definitely want to get up and share with people what I went through so that, we can do exactly what we just talked about and convince people, hey, you can do something different. You can change your life. You don't have to be stuck where you're at no matter where you are. There are always options. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a beautiful message for sure, dude. Dude, well, I think that's, uh, that's probably the perfect place to, to end here. So um, I'm going to give you the, the floor, the mic. Uh, where do you want – to uh to direct people to anywhere that uh people can say hi see what's up say what's up see what's happening 
for sure. So you can Socials. check out all of our greenhouse healthy stuff. Ask questions on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest, all at greenhouse healthy. And you can check me out individually on Instagram as greenhouse healthy human, and Twitter. Yeah, I'm on Twitter too. What, what's what's the personal on that one? Is that greenhouse healthy human as well? No, it's too long. I think it's like a DeRose one. Okay. You can find me. Okay. You can find me. But check out our website. So our website is under construction right now, <laughs> but you can go out there and sign up for our newsletter, which is going to have information about what we're doing, um, where we're at in the United States speaking and trying to educate, and then also um, all of our upcoming events, which we do do a lot of local event hosting in Colorado. We've got a vegan hemsgiving coming up in November in Denver that we're hosting. And our next speaking arrangement is going to be in Columbia. So Heather is coming down to speak for the MU Cannabis Conference that they're having. When is that going to be? November 10th. Okay. This will be out by then. Yes. So it's also, it's just right after the election. So hopefully it's going to be a big celebration. Big celebration. Mm -hmm. Because? We're going to pass... Amendment two. So everybody vote yes on two. If this come, when, is it going to be before November six? God, that's the thing. If it isn't, I think the six is a Wednesday, and I got the schedule for the seventh to come out. That's fine. So, but it's like, damn, I want to fucking put it out before so people will know what the deal is. Vote yes on two, no on three, and C. I got it. I yeah. got it. All right, everybody. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>